The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Amy Purdy is a Paralympic medalist snowboarder and she has her own podcast which has been showcasing some incredible people from the IOC Young Leaders Programme over the last few weeks. We've also been hosting it on olympics.com and it's called We Have a Goal. She's been chatting to them about their own journeys and how they're driving change in the areas of gender equality, sustainability, inclusion, and peace building. Today, we're going to hear from a few of them. My name is Sofia Papamichalopoulos. I'm from Cyprus, but I'm also half Austrian. And my IOC Young Leaders Project is all about promoting peace in my country, in Cyprus. I want to do that through sport and uh, specifically through sailing. Sophia is an alpine skier and doctor. She's looking to bring together a sailing team for a very special purpose. Here's Amy Purdy with all the details. Olympic Channel Podcast. The final challenge for this group of new friends will be to sail around the island of Cyprus. And Sophia wants to film the entire project and create a documentary. So Cyprus is a country that has always been very multicultural due to its geographical position. The two biggest communities are Greek-speaking and Turkish-speaking. Cyprus was actually a British colony up up to the 60s, 1960s. And when it became independent, there started to be a lot of conflict between the Greek and Turkish speaking communities. So through my project, I'm bringing together those two communities, so the Greek speaking and the Turkish speaking. What got you involved with peace building in sports? Just alone the fact that I grew up in a country that was divided by a war and my father and his family were refugees themselves. I actually remember the conflict still being present when I was really young. And it wasn't until 2003 that the border that divided the two communities actually opened up. And even though the border has opened and there's been political peace talks for years, for decades, I still see or believe that there's not enough happening on a community level. I really believe that that lack of interaction is keeping the border up because when you do see the communities interacting, you actually do see them having a positive experience and finding similarities. I grew up in a quite open-minded family and I had my first bicommunal experience when I was 16. I went on a, on a Fulbright summer camp <laughs> with Greek and Turkish speaking Cypriots, which was a really eye-opening experience for me, getting to know the other perspective of the conflict, how sport just has this power to unite people. You know, when kids play sports, they don't, it doesn't matter anymore where they're from, what language they speak or what religion they have. It's all about the experience. And one situation that really inspired me and kind of triggered my project was I was in Pyeongchang at the Winter Games when Korea marched in under one flag. And I just related to that a lot. I just thought it was such a powerful moment. I mean, I think it's so fascinating when you think and just how you explained how everybody was together. You all came from the same place, same country, but then It got separated, and now it's just trying to put together those bridges. I mean, there's nothing better than sport to do that. I absolutely agree, yeah. So why sailing? 
So I grew up by the sea and my family and I, we all sailed. <laughs> I actually sailed competitively when I was younger. Well, I actually then went into competitive alpine skiing. <laughs> it's a whole different story. But I don't know, thinking about this project, we're an island. I wanted to bring the ocean closer to the people and use something that might also have the power to bring people together. Also, one of the biggest goals of this project is for a team of Cypriots of, from both communities to sail around the entire island, which is unique in a lot of ways. It'll be a challenge for them physically and mentally to actually achieve this. It'll help them develop as a team and create trust between each other. But it's also very unique in that no one has ever crossed the maritime border since the war. So that will be a huge achievement for the project, for the team, and it'll have a huge symbol for the country. Is the goal to have kind of one sailing team that does that, or is this going to be kind of a program that continues on? Hopefully it'll be something that will continue. For now, because getting the permission to cross the border for one boat will be challenge enough, we're planning to create one team for now, somewhere between six and 10 people. So it'll be a small team. They don't have to have any prior sailing experience. We want it to be diverse. We want it to be gender equal. The aim would be to film the entire process from the first encounter, from the first moment they meet and create an inspiring short film or documentary that we can then showcase in schools and in local events, maybe even internationally, just to raise awareness and create a positive impact. Have you run into any specific challenges or what do you kind of think your challenges are going to be when putting this together? I mean, it's quite complex just because of the political situation as well in Cyprus. Creating a peace-building project through sport has been something that I've been very passionate about for a very long time, but I haven't approached it earlier because it's a very, I think I would say it's been a taboo subject in my community growing up. You could see people distancing themselves from supporting by communal activities because they're afraid of what political stamp they will get or what other people will think or say. But the good thing is that you do see an increased interest in bicommunal activities, especially by the younger community. And of course, the biggest challenge will be to get actually the permission to cross the border. What does being an IOC young leader mean to you? It means a lot. I mean, I grew up playing sports most of my life. I believe that Having been an athlete and an Olympian, having gone through that journey, it's just really formed me and made me who I am today. And becoming an IOC young leader has been a great honor. It really combines everything that's important to me in life. It just enables me to create a project that I'm so passionate about. And the program just gives me the skills and everything that I need to, to bring this to life. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Podcast.
Good luck to Sophia. We'll be hearing some more about peace building in just a second. But I wanted to give you some background about the IOC Young Leaders Programme, which is supported by its founding partner, Panasonic, and is an initiative that provides budding social entrepreneurs with seed funding, learning opportunities and mentorship to projects that leverage the power of sport to make positive differences in their communities. Omar has more details on his project. My name is Omar Bastioni. Uh, I'm from Egypt. I work as a development manager in the International Table Tennis Federation. I joined the IOC Young Leaders uh, program since uh, 2021 and actually what I'm trying to do here is uh, to provide an opportunity for uh, people with disabilities to practice sport in a safe and accessible environment. So what I'm trying to do is to start a table tennis academy for people with disabilities which can provide them an equal opportunity. I want them to be engaged actively in their respective society and we are aiming actually to have a weekly table tennis training sessions with all the participants and we are welcoming all, everyone with a physical or intellectual disability and also we are going to provide a classification for everyone in order to find them a good training system which fit their needs and support uh, their de development so uh, we are also providing like a fully accessible venue a, a fully accessible equipment in order for them to be able to have an equal opportunity and practice table tennis as able body Olympic Channel Podcast. Right then, now let's hear Amy Purdy speaking to Walid Abu Nada about his weightlifting project. For his Young Leaders Project, he created the Champ Camp, an Olympic weightlifting school with a mission to build champions for life. The project has given birth to the largest women's weightlifting team in the history of the Arab world and aspires to continue breaking barriers through sport. Hi, Amy. I'm Walid Abunada. I'm from Jordan. Uh, my Young Leader project is called the Champ Camp. I set up the Champ Camp in 2017 in Jordan's largest Palestinian refugee camp. The Palestinian refugee camp is actually called the Baqa Refugee Camp, which was set up in 1968. At the time, it had around 5,000 tents for around 25,000 Palestinian refugees. Over five decades later, the camp has around 200 to 250,000 Palestinian refugees who suffer from all walks of life, really. So the CHAMP camp was set up at the heart of it. Uh, the CHAMP camp is essentially a sports school. It uses Olympic weightlifting to empower young boys and girls of al Bakr refugee camp. And the model is actually quite a unique model because it's purely focused on long-term youth development. So rather than working with the hundreds of kids in the camp or thousands of kids, we're working with the same boys and girls. We've been working with them since 2017. And it's actually more rewarding because you know these kids personally. You've seen them develop in so many different metrics, character development, athletic development. And, you know, I can list many of our achievements. We've won awards in different parts of the world. We've been recognized by different media outlets. But I think our most fulfilling achievement has been giving birth to the largest women weightlifting team in the Arab world. So we have around 25 girls doing Olympic weightlifting. And it's something that's actually, you know, it's been quite difficult to get to this point because even in the most, uh, let's say, liberal of societies, Olympic weightlifting is still perceived as a boy sport. 
So to achieve that in quite a conservative community was quite difficult, but we managed to overcome having our boys and girls never seeing their names on papers nor on any documents to traveling the world, you know, getting medals, getting recognition from different media platforms, becoming popular in their communities, becoming local champions, essentially. Your mission is so incredible. I, I'm just, I'm really speechless. I mean, you're creating champions and leaders who will then be leaders and champions in their own community and inspire other people to do the same. What initially inspired you? Because you brought this to the refugee camp, but did you have a connection already? Um, so many different things inspired me. To begin with, uh, sports has been a key part in so many different aspects of my life. Uh, I did competitive football growing up. Then I made the switch to Olympic weightlifting. Sports was always, for me, a way out. I always saw sports as a platform to just kind of escape from different things and to, to let's say, avoid entering certain routes and certain paths. I was born and raised in Jordan, but I'm originally Palestinian. So my father is from Jerusalem. My mother is from a small town near Ramallah called Sinjid. And my Palestinian identity has always been, you know, a driving factor behind my work. I first felt that when I felt my identity being contested for the first time, and that was when I moved to Spain for my studies. And, you know, the, the combination between identity, between passion for sports, between wanting to actually achieve tangible impact on the ground for those who will continue to be affected by different things today, uh, kind of gave birth to the champ camp. And obviously the champ camp wouldn't come to life without certain key individuals on the ground. So while I'm not originally from the camp, you know, my parents were Palestinian refugees, uh, but while I wasn't born and raised in the camp, I do realize that in an alternative life, that could have easily been me as well. And that's why I realized it was very important to integrate local resources and to continue going with that approach. What have your challenges been with implementing your project and program? You know, there were, there were so many challenges and I still continue to face challenges today. But I think initially the first challenge was getting the trust of the local community. So while I am Palestinian, while I spoke the same language, while I shared the same identity, I still wasn't from the community. And when someone from outside comes in, there is a certain lack of trust and I do not blame them for it. A lot of people often do interventions with good intentions most of the time, but these interventions end up causing more harm than good. You know, we always have the, the idea that doing something is better than nothing, but sometimes doing nothing is better than something if that something is not done right. So establishing that trust that I was there to stay, I think that took a couple of few months until I kind of was able to achieve that with the local community. So that was one. Two was, you know, doing Olympic weightlifting in general. Olympic weightlifting is not a difficult sport to implement because you need resources, you need expertise, and just socially speaking as well, it's not seen as a girl's sport as well. So it was very difficult to kind of uh, begin with that, telling individuals that, okay, we want your daughters not only doing sports, but doing Olympic weightlifting out of all sports. And then uh, another challenge was just the, the sensitivity of what we were dealing with at the CHAMP camp. So at the CHAMP camp, we're dealing with individuals 
who were born into refugee camps. And I think that's what makes the case of Palestinian refugees quite distinct from other refugees across the world, because these are fourth generation refugees who have known nothing but being refugees, who have been denied their identity from the very moment they entered this world. So trying to kind of do some sort of individual de development and community development through sports is quite tricky because you're dealing with so many different sensitive things and because the entire purpose of the CHAMP camp is to give a platform for our young boys and girls to share their own individual stories as well. And so how have you seen the CHAMP camp promote peace building? Well, depends on, you know, depends on your definition of peace building. Because if you want to look at, let's say, the bigger picture, uh, peace building would mean the return of all these refugees to their homes. Uh, so uh, at the end of the day, it all depends on, you know, your definition of peace building. But if we want to, rather, instead of focusing on, let's say, peace building per se, if we want to focus on the positive development that the CHAMP camp has contributed to, uh, one, it has definitely changed the perspective towards Palestinian refugees on a global scale. So before my project, the Olympic platform, the International Olympic Committee's website, never had any coverage on any projects dealing with Palestinian refugees. And many media outlets that I've dealt with have also never had any coverage or ever talked to a Palestinian who's doing work with Palestinian refugees. That actually may be the case with you as well. It might be your first time having a chat with someone who's working with Palestinian refugees. So I think the critical element behind this is not only uh, providing coverage, but uh, humanizing these individuals as well. And I think that's something lacking in global media. And it's something that sports has played a critical role and a quite an important role if we want to link back to the idea of peace building here. If we want to look at also highlighting different stories, what the Champ Camp has contributed to is showing the power of young female champions as well. Our girls are young girls, that's one. Two, they're young Muslim girls then they're young Muslim Palestinian refugee girls. And then to add another layer right. to it, young Muslim Palestinian refugee girls who are doing Olympic weightlifting, who are wearing the hijab <laughs> while they're, you know, doing sports. So they're already, think of the amount of, you know, disadvantages that they're dealing with from a global perspective. And that's where the champ camp came in and kind of overcame all these barriers. And it wasn't the champ camp who overcame these barriers as an entity, but rather the champ camp was able to provide the platform for these girls to kind of go back to an equal start, let's say, and then take on from there. So for me, that was one of our biggest successes from a tangible standpoint. Uh, another thing would be, and I think most importantly, and this links heavily to peace building as well, is we provided our young boys and girls a purpose. And not only a purpose, we provided them with the idea that you do have the luxury to have dreams you can also have a purpose. You can also have ambition. This is something that they never thought of before because when you're born into that world, you have predefined roles, you have predefined responsibilities, you already know what you're going to become, and your horizons cannot expand further than that. So the CHAMP camp kind of unlocked that and it broadened those horizons. And for me, uh, this is something that is critical, something that I've personally you know, felt growing up that sports gave me a purpose and can impact communities, especially when it comes to rebuilding communities from scratch.
And you're such a leader. You're showing others how to be leaders. You're making such a massive difference in the world because that just expands, right? You teach this group of kids who then teach these groups of kids, and then all of a sudden the community is transformed. So what advice would you have for somebody who wants to make a difference in the world like you are, but they don't know where to start or they don't feel like they have the support or the resources? Well, the first thing, if you want to enter the space as someone young, sit down, reflect, and think about why do you really want to do this? Because if you actually find a valuable reason to why you want to enter this world of making a difference, even though I don't really like calling it making a difference, if you want to enter this world, once you have a very valid reason, and once you find a reason that you're passionate about, and you think you can actually leave big impact in it, that's when you know you're in it for the long run. And you're not in it for a week or two till you fulfill your own purposes of feeling better about yourself for whatever reason, and then just escape and allow whoever you worked with just go back to their normal life. So I think that's the first point. Never forget the purpose behind your own work as a young leader. In terms of resources, resources will always come. That's never an issue. Focus on doing the work and the resources will come. Olympic Channel Podcast. Massive thanks to everyone on today's podcast. Don't forget, you can find all four episodes of the series. We have a goal at olympics.com the last episode is about sustainability ahead of earth day no coincidence i have put a link in the episode description for you to make things nice and easy go and check that out okay that's it for now stay safe stronger together and see you very soon think like an olympian Olympian.